Oh, hi, podcast I had audience. the... Oh, that was like the only legitimate... Oh, I didn't see you there. It's, that <laughs> may ever happen. Yeah. Are we recording? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Oh, well, hello. Oh, hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I wonder who the first person hey. to use the I didn't see you there again. Oh, didn't Jesus. See there. <laughs> who did he not who, see who, there? Who, who stuck up on Pontius Jesus? Pilate? Like, what? <laughs> oh, didn't see you there. <laughs> Judas. Like, what? <laughs> Actually, I called that Actually, one. I did. I pretty I did. much. <laughs> oh, hey, saw you there. What? July 18th, 2012, and Torchlight's just gone free to play. This is Idle Thumbs 65. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. And I'm Sean Vanneman. And we're back with a real podcast again. This we is, exist. This is the Idle yes. Thumbs podcast. Not the Idle Thumbs podcast. Incorrect. <laughs> this is Idle Thumbs. The Idle Thumbs podcast is destroyed. We did a Kickstarter campaign uh, earlier this year, as you probably know if you're listening to this. And uh, with the we, money we raised in that Kickstarter campaign, we have been and continue to... Uh, develop a new website that's going to be really, really exciting. We uh, rented an office that we are now recording this podcast out of. Um, we've been working on upgrading our equipment, um, which has been really exciting. Um, all, all kinds of really cool stuff. We're manufacturing all kinds of merchandise for our Kickstarter backers uh, that, that we're plugging away on and should hopefully be going oh, and we helped, real soon. We helped put together 30 Flights of Loving with Blendo Games. Yep. Yeah. 30 Flights of Loving, awesome indie game from uh, Brendan Chung. Blendo Games. I did the music for it. It was fun. You might have already played it. You're going to have it so soon. Yeah. We are on the eve, I think, of sending out Steam codes for this for backers. Yeah. I'm excited to replay it, actually, because I haven't played it since like the last build came in. I haven't just to, like loaded up in Steam and play it. I'm really, really looking forward to just playing the release version. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Chris did the music for it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot of exciting stuff that's going on. We're still, as I said, we're still working on our new website, and that will be cool because it will be the host... Not just of Idle Thumbs, but also of Three Moves Ahead, which is an excellent strategy game podcast that you should check out. You can find that at flashofsteel.com right now, but eventually it will be on Idle Thumbs. Dot net. Dot net. And um, also our upcoming book podcast, which is taking forever because we've been waiting for our new website to go up. So that'll come eventually as well. And we're read it, reading Julian Barnes's uh, The Sense of an Ending. The Sense of an Ending. Yeah. The Sense of an Ending. Always get the on uh, the the irony is that that's an incredible it's an incredibly quick read, and yet people are gonna have have had like four months to yeah, read it. I know we should have just <laughs> opened with infinite jest. Yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> uh, no, no alarms. Nothing <laughs> wrong. Everything is fine. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's probably enough housekeeping. Yeah. Yeah. Video games. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to this new game, Armed Heroes. Yes. <laughs> What is, what is Armed Heroes? Well, I love Torchlight. It's our sponsor. <laughs> this, this, this episode this of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Armed Heroes, a real game. Well, it is a real game. That's the problem. 
If this wasn't a real game, it wouldn't matter that they ripped off Torchlight assets to make their free-to-play MMO. Yeah, yeah. So Tra- pre- Travis yeah. Baldry, who's one of the guy, one of, he's he's the guy who made Fate. If anyone remembers that game, and then also Mythos, and now he's I think the president at Runic Games, which makes Torchlight. And so this guy's made a lot of action RPG Diablo style stuff, and also a lot of people at Runic actually worked on Diablo. And so they made Torchlight, and it's awesome. And then this company, uh, what is the name of this company? Uh, I don't know. Some company made Armed Heroes, and they just straight up took Torchlight stuff. Like Travis Baldry posted images of their assets and the Torchlight assets, and they're the exact same. It's the same guy. Like it's, it's just well, the one same of their game. programmers did uh, voice sound effects for a special weapon as a joke. So like you use a weapon and it makes a voice noise, and his voice is just in this free play <laughs> iOS game. Yeah, like good. That is. At one point, you can say we redrew, you know, like the or we remodeled these guys, we redrew these sprites, but you can't say, "Oh, we took your lead programmer and made him re-record all that shit that he said." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like that, that is the most egregious one to me. Yeah, right. You can kind of like be like, "Well, you know, we traced." Over. I just traced it. Yeah, yeah I know, just I really mean, liked. It. <laughs> yeah, right. but you can't. Be we like, got that guy in. Hey, and that's like, my voice. Did you well, no, go record just, for that game? No, they no. actually have professional imitators. Just sound like yeah. And they, <laughs> uh, we hired a. Wouldn't that be amazing? Actually, if you went to that expense to duplicate another game without actually copying a single byte of of data, this is a shot for shot remake. We really yeah. love that weird wacky weapon in joke so much that when we were inspired by Torchlight, we hired a famous impersonator to. Uh, yeah, that'd be really good. Yeah, or yeah. alternatively, if we couldn't get an impersonator, so you just pay the you you pay the programmer on the slide <laughs> right. to record it under a pseudonym, where yeah. it's like due to you know weird non competes or like union regula- regulations, he had to actually scab for armed heroes. And, it's better uh, if they just get like former world renowned impressionist Dana Carvey to do <laughs> <laughs> to do that programmer from Runic Games. <laughs> this is what it's come to. It's a, been working on this, been working world. on this bit for six months. <laughs> been polishing it in the local comedy clubs. <laughs> But I mean, so it didn't go over well there. So the but guy, you guys wait, are the, guy love the guy it. from Runic, though, yeah. So he, yeah, he made a big, he made a statement. Yeah, he went all out and he posted, he published all these things, and and uh, they're trying to get the game taken down by Apple. And then one of the uh, oh, cause, so the place, the company that made this other game is called Touch Arcade, I guess. And no, no, I think Touch Arcade is, the, is a website that reported on it. Yeah. Touch oh, oh, sorry, you're Touch right, you're right. It is. Game. I know that. I know that. Site. Why did I say that? The developer is called EGLS. Oh, that oh, that's oh, it. Eggles. Eggles, yeah. Eggles. So Eggles developer, Serena Serena Zhang, said, quote, they'd never straightly stole assets from Torchlight. Uh, mm, and then... Uh, that's probably true. I mean, you, their, their game is surely not actually using the Torchlight internal file format. Right. Sh- well, then, <laughs> then what she tries to do is push it off and... and this is the... Go on. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, God. So she says, quote... We sincerely hope that Mr. Travis Baldry can note that the similarities between Armed Heroes and Torchlight may be due to that we both learn from Blizzard, unless you are suggesting that the rest must not learn these advanced skills from Blizzard, which has long been one of the great leaders of the industry. Moreover, if anyone has ever paid attention to games with similar themes, he or she should have found that there are always several types of the same game competing with and learning from each other's games, designs, functions, and settings. So she basically constructed a giant fiberglass middle finger. 
and attached it to a rocket. It's a really dumb <laughs> middle finger, though. Like, yeah, I don't know. I know, bad. but uh, it's just... Yep. I mean, it's a... Just some people sorry. might take Pull inspiration all the from... assets out yeah. and re-release your game. They're not even suing you. They're not even suing you. They're just saying, please take your game down. Oh. Well, the funny you thing got away on this one. The funny thing is that is that uh, Travis Baldry pointed out that the actual hard part about making a game like that is just making the game, like outsourcing outsourcing system, a bunch yeah. of assets is like, I mean, making good art is not necess- is not necessarily easy. But if if you obviously don't give a shit about putting your name like, right, there's no there's no actual <laughs> there's no, like, originality to this artistic integrity going on here anyway. So if all your yeah. yeah, if all you want to do is just fucking slap some shit out there you know just publish a thing to a store i don't know i mean i guess this is one way i imagine there are many outsourcing houses where you can say we'd like a thing that looks kind of like a cheap blizzard game you'd probably get stuff back that fits that description you could have just sent the the stolen assets as reference (laughs) right yeah exactly (laughs) make lookalikes to these that are different okay that'll be no money like yeah not literally they, they, no money. No money is what they actually. <laughs> There's <spend>. no yeah. <laughs> they just no. they just hand they hand them back the exact same files the same day. They just email them back like FTP information to the same just, files they give. Here you go, free gratis. Uh, well, all we ask for is that you mention our outsourcing company uh, in the in with the your credits. colleagues. Yeah, yeah. you've in fact added underscore rev one to all of these <laughs> file names. That's. That's next, actually, is when the outsourcing house gets gets thrown under the bus for this, where they are like, we sent a request out to uh, these guys. That probably won't happen. What? Just <laughs> did you have you played Torchlight two? Or is it? Uh, I've, play, I've played the beta. Yeah, it's oh, good. Okay. It's good. I'm I'm uh, looking forward to the game. It's weird that it's taking so long, but I guess games take a while. Like it was supposed to be out. I think I don't know late last year, or earlier this year, originally. But I guess they figure now that it's past Diablo three, maybe it's better to put some distance between the launch of that game and this yeah. one, or and maybe the game's just not done. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, there's multiplayer now. That stuff's just painful. yeah, yeah. I mean that that was announced when they announced the game. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, but it's still one of those things that just there's a lot of work. Oh, oh, for sure. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Was that stuff in the beta? Um, multiplayer. It, uh, I'm pretty sure it was, but I didn't. The reason I don't know is because I didn't do it. I just played single player. Mm. Or like I think it was there, but I just started a game and made it private and just played it, hmm. which is usually what I do with Diablo three as well when I was playing that game. Although that game didn't, I think it didn't grab me very much. It's funny playing playing Diablo three and Torchlight two, playing playing Diablo three now. It really makes me wonder what I would have thought of this game if I was the exact age I was when Diablo, Diablo 2. two came out. <clears throat> you know, like if I was just if I was just me. But eleven years younger. If I was just took turned the clock back and just this game just came out in two thousand one, person Diablo three. Yeah, because it's really I've realized recently playing games that it's really hard. Like I had the exact same experience playing Max Payne three, which is I forget when Max Payne two came out, but it was maybe like what two thousand three or four or something. Yeah, it was yeah. it was early mid two thousand. I mean, you know, roughly a decade ago, a little less than that. And I I had the same thing playing that where by the end of Max Payne three, I was so fatigued and so like not into just more running around and shooting a guy and it's hard for me to and like this is kind of like the discussion we were having on a on a on a one of the progress cast one of the progress cast yeah about ssx yeah where it's hard like there's definitely concrete things i can enumerate that i'm not crazy about in diablo 3 and max Payne 3 but it's also really hard for me to determine how much of my 
like the lack of those games resonance for me compared to their predecessors is due to those things that I can concretely enumerate and how much of it is down to the fact that I'm just a decade or so older and I'm a, just like a different person. I mean, it sounds really, this sounds way weightier than I mean it to, but like, you know, I've, it's hard to look at things the same way you did when a well, third you're of, in your late 20s, you start experiencing things not for the first time a lot. Exactly. You know, right, and that yeah. is just a thing you learn to do. And if you can get through that and not come out the other side cynical, then you did good. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And I well, that's, that's hard. The, the challenge. <laughs> you know, uh, I think about that a lot. Yeah. I don't have a concrete example of a game that I played recently, but um, that's interesting. Like, what are the things about Diablo 3? Like, what are the concrete things? Well, so a lot of them are, so some of it, this is not necessarily that relevant to the game experience itself, but definitely I've talked on the podcast before about Diablo, what I think is a really brilliant uh, melding of narrative and gameplay in Diablo 2, where even like, you know, whether or not the actual content of the plot itself in Diablo 2 is particularly brilliant, I think the way that they, the way that they uh, integrated the the narrative, which is mainly told in these interact cutscenes that just they're pre-rendered and they go and the cutscenes are all about this the character that you played from Diablo 1. They're about this wanderer who's it's always they're sort of like right. mirrored story theaters. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that and was like, really good. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you and the game are like lagging behind. Right. So no, you never that. have the issue of dissonance between things you see your character doing in cutscenes and thing you do in the game because the cutscene character is this other character that is always a few steps ahead of you. So you're always like just trying to catch up. Mm-hmm. And they're really they're all tonally similar because they're all tonally about their character's story the game itself is always you in town or in a dungeon like it's really it feels really strong like it feels really contained and smart whereas in diablo 3 cutscenes are just whenever all the time like now just in the middle of a dialogue tree suddenly a pre-rendered cutscene starts and it's just about someone talking to someone else or now it's about an angel killing a thing or like it's just so scattershot and off the wall. Like there's none of that formal structure mm-hmm. that Diablo 2 has that I think is really, really brilliant. Especially because you look at Diablo 2 and everything about that game. It's like, all right, you've got this strong Baroque uh, architecture. You know, or Baroque's not the right. What's the uh, – I can't remember the term for that architecture. It's like pre-Gothic. But like um, – You've got the that really strong architecture that's all about like 90-degree angles and shapes and really clean etched stone, like cathedrals and all that stuff. Like the game's all about this like – architecture is this very strong formalistic uh, aesthetic to it. And then the – and the game is divided into these acts very cleanly and the, the narrative is told very cleanly in these like the slots in between the levels. And like everything everything feels – of a piece in that way. Like it feels like they're reinforcing the aesthetic of the game all throughout it. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but whatever, like it comes off that way to me in, in Diablo three. It just feels like what all the, but same with Starcraft two. The narrative is just this fucking slapdash thing that somebody wrote. Cause they thought a bunch of badass shit would happen in a row and then just kind of told it whatever way, whatever way they just happened to mm-hmm. like now it's a cutscene, Now it's a dialogue thing. Now it's a this, now there's pre-rendered about this thing. Now there's that. And like, it's just, it's so unmemorable. Like I don't, it's, and it's all really, really, really obvious. And like, okay, now there's the girl. Now she gets corrupted by evil. Now, like it's, it's the same shit blizzard's been doing forever. And 
probably Diablo 2 had a lot of that shit in it too, but they hadn't made so many, they hadn't done it so many times yet at that point that it just had become this like incredibly overbearing, Mm -hmm. uh, formulaic thing that was not, not only formulaic, but also just told really inelegantly in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, none of that stuff's the actual gameplay experience. And there's the, the, the gameplay is, is fun in a lot of ways. And I actually think the new skill system, I think, is really unjustly maligned. I think it's, I think it's really cool. Actually, the uh, the way you can essentially respec anytime you want. Um, it's nice because it means you don't have situations like that I would run into in Diablo two, where I'll level up twenty levels and I still haven't spent a single skill point because I'm afraid to make any commitments because right. then I can never change them. And that that kind of thing is just is just silly. In Diablo three, you lose something. Because you never permanently commit to anything, and there's, you definitely, definitely do lose something with that. Mm-hmm. But I feel it's a totally valid design choice they made to allow you to just move that stuff around whenever mm-hmm. you want. And it's funny because I know Nick Brecken totally disagrees, so mm-hmm. it would be interesting to have him. We have a talk reader mail that I saw earlier that we can talk about later that I think uh, gets at the heart of that as well. Yeah, yeah. And then so the the more then the so th- those are things that it's like all right I've opinions about these then the stuff I don't know what my opinion is is just now it's just a lot I guess harder for me to to do a thing where I'm just killing endless stuff for a million hours forever right. and that's something that's like not really specific to Diablo three at all it's just harder for me to get super. I don't feel like you're alone in, in I mean maybe we're all I'm not saying I'm same, I'm not saying I'm unique age, about it I'm just But I do I, wonder if it's if it's age and experience or if it is just a broader moment in time where we've all played enough games to the point where like I don't know if it has anything to do with age but at the same time I don't know if somebody who's 19 is also sick of the same stuff we're sick of Maybe yeah, yeah. who knows it's yeah. hard to really yeah it's impossible for us to say really uh romanesque Maybe maybe it is romanesque Sorry architecture Yeah no I know where you're at okay. Yeah Anyway do you feel like if you went back 10 years and handed uh, a young Chris Remo Torchlight, you know what I mean? Oh, Does that so work yeah, that okay, way? Okay, so yeah, the thing I wanted to say, what's funny about playing Torchlight 2 is that it is so much mechanically less less slick than Diablo 3 is. You know, like it doesn't have any of those sort of audacious design moves that Diablo 3 has where they just rip out the, you know, again, like it or hate it, Blizzard did a fairly a fairly interesting thing, you know, good or bad in totally changing a, a skill system that already that did work in Diablo 2. I you know I played that game for a bajillion trillion hours. Um and Diablo and Torchlight 2 doesn't have that, but the, the reason So Torchlight 2 still has the locked in system? Mm-hmm, yeah, Torchlight 2 works the same way that Torchlight 1 basically did okay. and, and Diablo and everything. Um but it's so funny because when I played Diablo 3, I get this feeling that the game is just like collapsing under its own weight. You know, despite the despite the the design being very nimble because you can always change your skills however you want. I feel like the overarching feel of the game is this just relentlessly bogged down thing. And this just like sloppy narrative style and this like this art style that's just a little mushier. Like it's it's not an ugly it's a it's a very attractive game in a lot of ways. But it, it lacks that like, for example, that architectural uh strong, strong identity that Diablo 2 has. Like it's a lot more just sort of general stuff. It just doesn't sound like it's as crisp in general. Exactly, right, exactly. And and in then I played Torchlight 2, and despite being a a kind of a less sort of polished game in a design sense, the game feels so much more lively and it feels like the, the it feels like the people who made it were less constrained by, you know, 15 years of of like iteration on the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like it just 
which is ironic because it, it is iterating more on the same line than, than I think, Diablo but I mean, is. iteration can kill that cohesion that you're talking about. Yeah. You know, no, it's you fall true. You out can, of love. You can with your iterate ideas. away from the yeah, rut. Yeah. They, like the rut's the wrong word, yeah. but like away from the core of the thing. Yeah, we've been talking about that a lot just at work, just creatively, just from a more of a macro view just of how we make games and how sticking you with something. Bring, yeah, how you bring something to life, and like we make games in such a short time period, but like the act of falling out of love with the ideas or. The philosophies with which you set out to make a you, game. You live with it long enough that you forget like the core of why it was relevant in the first place and can kind of talk yourself out of it and into this weird spiraled off version. Oof. Yeah. yeah. And I think that happens. I mean, Andrew was talking about it. He's a programmer at Telltale through the lens of like the Simpsons, how Simpsons writers have to remember why a joke was funny like six months later when their, when their episode is finally being drawn and put together, you know, after writing it. So, and I think that's like a very, very small version of kind of what you're talking about, but it's like, 10 years on a game like Diablo, like think of how many days that is, you know, like can you go (laughs) to work every day and every single, with hundreds of people building architecture in your game to use architecture as as an example Mm -hmm. and say, no, that doesn't fit the style. No, that's not Romanesque. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Do it like this and do that every day for 10 years. The other thing about that that is clearly has to be the case is that example implies that there is Anyone yeah. who was on that game for the like, I wonder what percentage of human right. beings yeah, on the not. shipping team were actually on the team that conceived Diablo three. Yeah, it's like well, Magellan. Zero. It's like Magellan's it's, voyage. That's almost also <laughs> that's probably almost impossible to even say because, as far as I'm aware, there have been like multiple essentially distinct versions of right. Diablo three that are just dead. That's, now. Yeah, like, that are just gone. But you do want to talk to the guy who was there the day Diablo two shipped and was there the day Diablo three shipped. <laughs> there are probably fairly few of those guys. I mean, well, I'm sure there are. Some. Is there one? I mean, that is. I mean, a there's probably question. at least one. Yeah, yeah. But, but probably not tons. The stories I could tell you, <laughs> but. I mean, can't I, bring I know, myself to. I know <laughs> people the, who yeah. have who worked on Diablo three like a decade ago. Like, I mean, I I've worked with people yeah. who have worked on that game years and years ago. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, so here's a. I just I was I, a lot of what I was saying. I realized was very vague, so I wanted to give a much more concrete example of a specific comparison point. This one that brick is in like, Diablo three. <laughs> that's apples to apples between the two games. So uh, the music is is what is what I want to talk about. So Diablo three, the music in in that game. Is I, I don't remember the name of the composer, but it has some amount of original music, obviously. But then it has a lot of reorchestration, like rearrangement and reorchestration of Matt Allman's really iconic music from Diablo one and two. And the versions. So, it, do you guys know the Diablo music? Like the bum 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 bum. Like okay, well there's yeah, that, I mean, and then it's there's one the, of those, I've played all. I mean. Yeah, you know, I played Diablo one and Diablo two, and I think yeah. it's one of those right. things so I definitely remember. It's the kind of music where once you, he- as soon as you hear it, you're like instantly yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. in the in the place. And um, and in Diablo three, they did the goddamn thing where they just take those lines and they just give it to like a huge orchestra and yeah, have oh, this massive. It? Yeah, it's like what they did to the to like um. Clint Menzel's music from Requiem for a Dream, where now that that or in the track Lord of the gets, Rings trailer, it's yeah, just like the entire string and like woodwind section all playing just the same all melody playing the line, same, yeah. yeah, which is just the that's grossest just thing to do like with a piece Hans of music. Thing. It's yeah, gross. it's horrible, and and they and that's what they have in Diablo three. Like they take these lines that are these really sinister, interesting, sparse lines, and they just they just blow it out beyond. Any sense of nuance or subtlety, they just destroy. A, it's fully the, a guarantee that people actually sh- sent them or sent this composer as reference the 
trailer rearrangement of that Requiem for a Dream. Oh, I'm sure. And like, do yeah. this, do to this that, to that, and think yep. of how sick that's going to be. Yeah. And then, meanwhile, um, Torchlight Two, which is ironically is working systemically in a way that's much more directly in the line of of, uh, of Diablo Two. It, it has Matt Ullman, the actual guy who made, who actually composed the music for Diablo one and two working on Dia- on Torchlight too. And it's the most interesting, like it's just wonderful music. It's beautiful. And the interesting thing about it is that it's actually much larger scale than his music for Diablo one and two. So he also is going much bigger scale. He recorded with like the Bratislava orchestra and it's much bigger scale, but he's actually writing for the orchestra. He's not just taking something he did 15 years ago and just telling 40 violinists, okay, all of you play this at the same time. Like it's the music in Torchlight 2 is incredible. It's, it's mm-hmm. like, no, it's great. I, I'm going to use a horrible word, but it's like, it's got this sort of like magical tone to it. Like the thing that I think is really cool about, about, uh, yeah, fuck me. But, uh, the thing <laughs> well, that I think is really cool about this metal, yeah. mm, magical yeah. tone. I, Interesting. I, yeah. I pre-regretted it and then I regretted it after I said it. <laughs> um, but I think it's, it is a fairly valid word uh, if you go beyond the, the fucking connotations because it <laughs> Torchlight has this feeling of almost like fairy tale to it. Whereas Diablo is this very dark, sinister yeah. thing. Like mm-hmm. Torchlight has this kind of like magical fairy got, tale. I would use well, a similar get, yeah. word to describe it that I would use to describe an iPad. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Ugh, gross. Um, and, and, so he, the, and so he uses a lot of the same like – you know, tools, the people writing for Diablo three is, and I don't want to just dump on the people making Diablo three. Cause I do think they made a really smart game in a lot of ways, but I just, there's like something aesthetically going on that I think just really just misses the mark fundamentally. And, uh, and so this actually one to ones with what I was talking about with SSX potentially, but anyway, uh, like probably, yeah, probably it sounds so. yeah. like yeah. it does. Yeah. yeah. But, it, but I can't get away from the fact that I still don't know if I would have felt this way if I had played this game at the age I was when I played Diablo 2. The problem, yeah. I mean, it's hard, though, because, you know, when you were 17, or whenever you were when Diablo 2 came when out, When you were 16, 64. Um, oh, that's a Beatles that's song. That's a Beatles song. When yeah. you were 53. Uh-huh. When you were out of thumbs Let's up, say I was 53. 53 yeah. When you were 65. Anyway, when I was an age. Uh, you just born. wouldn't have... Like, your critical studies brain has developed in a non-cynical, but just sort of, like, mature way... Like, you can't expect, if you were a 16-year-old Diablo 2 player, or Diablo 3 player, you went, uh, the musical lines are just lost their, their complexity. I'm not you would just be a douche. I'm not saying, no, no, no. So, <laughs> you know I'm not I mean? saying that to, no, 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 I, I realize that. Yeah. I'm not saying that because, to call into question my opinions about Diablo 3, right. I'm saying that to call into question my memories of Diablo 2. Mm, understood. So neither my current judgment of Diablo 3 right. nor my judgment at the time of Diablo 2, but rather what I still now think of Diablo 2. The real question was when Diablo 2 came out, was there a 28-year-old gamer who remembers playing Diablo 1 who felt the exact same way with Diablo 2 that you felt about 3? That's the question. Yes. Uh, well, Diablo- <laughs> Is there? I mean, it's a tough comparison because those games are so much more similar. Like those games were made by the same team, pretty much. They came out much closer to each other. What was the like, time? I, I played both of those games when they came out. You know what I mean? Like Diablo One was Diablo 90s. Two was delayed like four years though. It came out four years after Diablo One. Oh really? Yeah. Diablo Two was originally Diablo One. Diablo One was ninety seven, and Diablo <laughs> oh maybe no, it was only three years because Diablo One was ninety seven, I think, and and Diablo Two was two thousand, and the expansion was two thousand one. So they were only three years apart. Oh wow. I definitely played both of them when they were new, for Never sure. Mind. They should just make their games three years apart then, apparently. 
Like Blizzard as a company puts things out frequently. They put yeah, out loud I just never, I just never stages. think of like I always just imagine that the Diablo, Diablo three team is millions of miles away from the StarCraft two team. You know, like yeah, I imagine mean, it's somehow yeah. I now counting, imagine Blizzard I'm is more of a like, publisher at this stage. Counting all the WoW expansions, I'm counting all the stuff. WoW expansions and all that stuff. And like they're putting yeah, out a StarCraft two expansion next year. You know, so like, yeah. Well, it's because they only shipped a third of StarCraft two. <laughs> Well, it kind of stinks because, I mean, their games are, I mean, I don't like this about games. I don't like that those games that I are just platforms now for content. You know, I don't like that. I hate that, actually. That, ugh, it really bothers me. They're just games I won't play because I feel like when you make a game, when you de- when you decide as a company that your game is going to be a platform for content as opposed to just content, you lose what you're kind of well, that's lamenting. the whole Valve thing. That's games as a service. That's that whole that whole entire attitude. Yeah, they haven't screwed it up yet, though. I mean, who's to say? You know. Well, some people think they have. A lot of people think Team Fortress Two is just is just too much of a. Well, those games are purely multiplayer. You know, I mean, single player games as platform are a little different. You know, or narrative games. I guess is the way. Like, but I don't StarCraft play, Two, StarCraft like, Two lives and dies as a, as a multiplayer game, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, when we're talking about new content coming out for StarCraft 2. We're not talking about it really impacting the multiplayer arena. Yeah, we are. Well, I don't know if you are, but that's definitely, that's the thing that I'm much more interested in for sure. Well, more interested in, but I mean, it's like, there's going to, aren't they really, like, don't they, can't you only play as humans and then there's going to be Protoss and Zerg in the campaign? This is the single player, yeah. Single player. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's kind of the way I, that's what I'm talking about. What else is coming out of that? I don't even know what's in there. Like, how is that going to impact the multiplayer? It's, it's Zerg, well, I mean, just like, as when they release Brood War, there will be new units and there will be changes and they'll remove previous units that they don't think need to – like when they release an expansion, it's an ex- it's basically like a big reason to – it's like their big excuse to go and like take Wait. everything they learned about multiplayer since the, the shipping retail game and like take out the stuff that's not necessary, add in a couple more units to spice things up, like make big design – like huge balance changes to – you know, address things that they perceive as problems, blah, 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 blah. In the case of StarCraft 2, it's just, it's the traditional expansion pack model, though. It's not actually game as service, right? People are, people are oh, yeah, it's paying still, money for it's a still new gonna be hard a game. good. Yeah, it's still right, going to be is, a, like, it's, it's a game very, to go by. Yeah, it's very yeah, yeah, similar yeah. to Brood yeah, War or whatever for sure, for in sure. that case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is basically I guess, the I mean, I was just delineating. It's just there's yeah. two of them now instead of one. Two expansions instead of one. Mm. I was just drawing a line between multiplayer and single-player campaign stuff. Yeah. Like, I... The idea of if I was only a StarCraft II campaign player, mm-hmm. continuing to get like story content and single player campaign content on top of a platform is not something that I am particularly interested in. Because you the just game, don't like expansion packs in general. I, they're not indicative of the game. Like it just depends. I mean, expansion packs generally come out for games that I play multiplayer, but. That's why they're ever purchased by me. Yeah, that might be just that might be difference in like what your sort of gaming upbringing was. Because definitely on the PC, the idea of an expansion pack that adds new single player content is like a very like that's a really strong tradition. Well, here's a good example: Minerva's Den. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. Short story with inside this world. Mm-hmm. Play it. It's like you pay about as much money percentage wise as game you would be getting if it was $60, things like this. Like, that's one thing. But the concept of... 
I guess the concept of more more giant chunks of the game can like I guess in the MMO model more content giant chunks of the game where the game is just infinite hours long. It's at one point that's I wonder really, I wonder what I sort mean, of I wonder what sort of interesting that's not really, single player experience you can build yeah, that way. I, I don't think that's okay. So without getting into whether StarCraft Two is good or not, like that's not really what StarCraft Two is. Like right from no, the I'm beginning, not really talking like, about this StarCraft is three I'm just campaigns. talking about oh, okay. single player game as platform. Can you think of some examples? I mean, like I guess the, I was the closest thing I can think of to what you're yeah. talking about is like Assassin's Creed, maybe. I'm not sure what games you're talking about, though. Yeah, I can't tell if you're just grumping about a thing, but like I no, but you can feel games sort of going that way. Like I feel that with online stuff more than single player. I don't really feel like that I, in I feel player. like I feel like I feel endless sequels in single player, sure, but that's like Arkham City is like, a good example of okay. a toe dipped in this water of Arkham City is actually a good example. Yeah, of I have the single player game as Batman, okay, and as I'm running through, I can see like little trophies and things that Catwoman can get, but I have to buy uh, the entire Catwoman story oh, okay, inside of okay, this platform okay. to go play that to play her but her you story, see the, and then like get the Robin pack. Yeah. You could that, see Arkham that's City a world comp- though where. Those little extra trophies for things you can buy will slowly addition like more and more of that stuff will just keep showing up as you're playing the game. Yeah, more. Yeah. Well, a there's two points, right? One, as I'm playing a self-contained single-player experience as I am Batman inside this like city prison trying to be- beat Joker, I am constantly seeing tokens that are reminding me that I didn't purchase another thing. Right. Okay. So yeah, absolutely. That's I completely agree it just with you feels on that. Like, I didn't. I had no idea that's what you're right, talking right, about. Right. Right. It just feels like when you start to say. We have three franchises, and we just keep putting out content with inside those yeah, platforms. Absolutely, and I could just see just Arkham being, you know what? B- get Arkham for twenty bucks, but then over the next two years, we're going to keep yeah. putting out installments inside of that. And there was a time when I thought that was really cool, actually, and I think it could be because it does offer, if done smartly, a way to tell very specific, interesting stories. Well, you know what the through b- multiple authors, which I think would be cool. Well, you know what the best good example, example of that is. is I was going to say GTA. Me too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right when right, uh, if GTA never shipped the campaign, but only shipped sort of like Ballad of Gay Tony, the biker one. Yeah. Yeah, and then maybe there was like it did like seven of those chapters, mm-hmm. but then if you went and bought GTA Five, you got the city. And some stuff, and then things started to happen to you as you select, like almost like a, a detective serial or something, you know, like where it's like things keep happening to to Marlowe in the same world in the same city, you know. Every time you buy a book for five bucks, isn't this kind yeah, of the same thing as what Arkham does, but less crass? Like, is it... yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's well, what I'm saying. Sort of. It, it, it is mean, a model for something cool, yeah. but I don't really think that's. I mean, you don't, when you're playing GTA 4, you never feel like that's the case, though. Like, right. when you're playing GTA, the straight game, just GTA 4, you never feel like someone's tempting you with in-game fucking purchases right. or whatever you don't get the, the cell phone call, like, perhaps Gay Tony is calling you. Yep, like, little modal window pops up. Like, yeah, Because you know they totally could do that. Collect call. Collect call from an in-game character. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know they could totally, I mean... There's, you, they could totally insert it with inside the world without it being – well, the trophies well, now, in Batman. Now that we've talked about that on Idle Thumbs, we've got we've got 18 months max until Before GTA collect 5 all, gives you a fucking like, We should also just character. announce Idle Thumbs Consulting that we're just going to yeah, we will, <laughs> insidiously you, We will predict your horrible future and you will profit. Yep. Like, <laughs> heartily. And so will we. <laughs> yeah. We the hate ourselves and are the bad. world and we're rich. <laughs> it's funny because – Arkham Asylum had trophies in it. Like, it had the Riddler trophies that are just sort of 
uh, traversal puzzles, I guess, is the way to explain them. It's just like, how do I get to that thing over there? Yeah. And then it also had like history of, it was so good, actually. There was these sort of like wall runes that had been put there by the guy who built the asylum. So you get the story of Arkham, the guy who built the asylum and his son who lost his mind and this, how he never got over it and all these things. And every time you would discover one of those, you would get a taste of that story, sort of like very like, you know, like tapes in Bioshock or something. Mm-hmm. So then it was all in service. And the, the, the Riddler stuff felt more kind of like a, what's that game? Crackdown, sort of just collecting things. Right. But you would get little like snippets of stuff like that. I have to say collecting stuff. I ha- I am getting to the point where I am just starting to despise it. Oh, I'm way over Like, I mean, super so over dis- like I'm over God. achievements as well. So I was playing, yeah, achieve- <laughs> fuck achievements, Christ. But yeah, that's the whole Max Payne. Th- so I never, I didn't say anything about Max Payne 3, even though I brought it up. I don't understand. The Hauser brothers are enigmas to me. Like, they, <laughs> they, you know, they go way out of their way to try and make a really convincing world and like, you know, grounded story, even though the actual stuff that happens in their games is like the most ridiculous shit imaginable. Like, you know, they go out of their way to try and create this sort of Hollywood version of of reality. But then they pepper it always with just like nonsense collectibles and shit. Like Max Payne is constantly tracking down like gold gun components that like you can assemble to make your gun gold. <laughs> and like that's there's no fiction like nothing to do with anything. God, like it's got it the doesn't, no, it doesn't have is, sick film noir narr- uh, narration over the top of that where he's like I found another piece of my gold gun. <laughs> He's just a I found this the gold that, MP7. Like, <laughs> it was in the toilet. Like what? Like what? Well, like the, there's mo- there's the moments side in- narrative that is implied that he is just a weird collector and sort of up late at night on Craigslist and eBay yeah, looking for. But it's way worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is exactly that because there will be the moment where like you know as is a, this is always, I feel like this is always a scene in a, in a Hauser Brothers game where the place is on fire or whatever and like you've got it it's like collapsing and you've got to get out of there and like. like and yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I'm like climbing up the stairs, going into the closet, like, oh, sweet. I found this gold grenade launcher. Meanwhile, Max <laughs> is like, I had to get out of there. I was done for. And I'm just, oh, let me look around here. <laughs> and the first time I played that level, I just straight up died because I was trapped. You're, and so, you're and like, wait, then, is it a slide for a tech nine? <laughs> yeah, get that. Exactly. And then the even more ridiculous part is just, you know, as with achievements, as with, I think, I think most achievements work this way. If you collect the thing, then you die. You still count as having collected the thing. Right. So it just makes, you can't the, take achievements away. There's no call for that. Exactly. Yeah, and so, no, and so, but they're, they're not achievement. They don't actually, they're not actually achievements though. They're just, the game itself has this collectible system. Like you don't oh. get an achievement when you find one. It has its own in-game Although maybe that is still necessary because you probably get an achievement when you finish collecting it. So as a result of that, they probably need to just apply that rule to all of them. Right. So you're probably right. But anyway, the, you know, so so you, it just makes it even more ridiculous because now my fiction just is just totally roll of the every dice. Time, like, every time Max Payne dies, a new like weird metaverse, like the metaverse expands one. Exactly. Where he's now in the world where he actually already had that piece in his pocket. Right. And it's not yeah, in exa- the closet exactly. in the house yeah. or something. Now he doesn't need to look. Yeah. Um, Oh, I guess I just weird. I thought I was looking for this. I guess I that must have just must have just had it in my inside pocket the whole time, huh? Anyway, sick. I was anyway, looking for that piece of my to, gold gun yeah. that was stolen from me and scattered around the earth by a master criminal. <laughs> yeah, that's, and it's also I like, mean so at that, least Arkham like you get this sense that see like, I didn't like that stuff in Arkham, but at least you get the sense that like Arkham somehow City, but, Riddler put that stuff. Uh, you know what I mean? That matters to me. I know that sounds so dumb and it sounds so childish. But do you, but do you actually like it in there? though? No. Okay. But so like at even, the same time, even, I feel like they went. They they at least tried to f- like couch it in 
oh, the Riddler was here before you and he's left these puzzles for you because he's the Riddler and he's one of your villains. You know, like it's couched inside of a of a implied narrative that I can classic Riddler move to leave Max Payne those gold (laughs) gun parts. talking about who left those there does it ever answer the question at the end of course there's not. just some God. guy with a giant just... bag of gold and he's like, he's, oh. like the le- he's like the leprechaun who scampers yeah, yeah. away like he's You've the g-man found of the all of them world. the game just assumes that that you have this narrative of max Payne tracking this guy so right before the last boss <laughs> max comes around this corner and you see a guy with a huge like santa claus bag and a little yeah like a little slide from a gun ding, 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 drops out and that guy turns runs and then you just get the complete bag of gold weapons to just wreck the final boss of the game. <laughs> That's in there. I played Maybe Pain 3. That is like a classic sort of um, PC, like 90s PC game move where suddenly like the end of the game is just, you know, Mondo boss and right. you just have fucking crazy gun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, only if you track down that that uh, gold gun part stealing and leaving leprechaun right. character. Actually, you know what's Maybe funny thing just... about Diablo 3? There's, there's, a, there's a monster in it. This is like... Seriously, my favorite thing in this game. It farts um, banana clips from AK-47s. Pretty much. What? It's called the Treasure Goblin. And when you... I think it's called the Treasure Goblin. <laughs> Jake is amused and or horrified by I Treasure Goblin. I just drank goblin. water right before you said the words Treasure Goblin. <laughs> and when you shoot... When you attack... When you, like, zap the Treasure Goblin with your spell... It, Sweet. <laughs> zap the... Like, tre- gold and treasure and shit like pops out of him so it's like a pinata but like he's he fucking scampers quick and like he's, really, he's got a lot of hit points he's a hardy goblin and so you're chasing you're like chasing after this guy and like trying to freeze him and like you slow things on him so he'll stop and like warping to him and again and he's just like sca- like leaping around and if you actually kill him he like pops like a pinata and just just fucking gold everywhere um, and it's just like it really seems like. Does a, it have a custom music cue when the Treasure Goblin shows oh, up? Oh God, I wish if it was like, just Yakety Treasure Sacks, Goblin like, theme. Right, yeah, or just like <laughs> some man sort of like a sort of kind of like a ca- rapid accordion, like calliope, theme shows up like, or yeah, like just, yeah, uh, like um, merry-go-round music, right? Like, just yeah, um, no, but uh, it's it's just <laughs> the it seems like such a weird self-aware thing. To put in a Diablo game where it's like, yeah, we know what you want. We know, we know, what, we know what's going goblin. on here. Like, we know what's actually going on. It's just you fucking chasing it's one of fuck trinkets where, like, for just, 800 hours in a the row. The treasure goblin is just a metaphor for their entire game design. Is that what you're, like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you feel like someone just had a bad run at some point and was like, God, I wish it was just a fucking treasure <laughs> goblin. <gasps> Wait, we're making this game. Yeah. Put a fucking treasure goblin. Yep. Give him a theme. Oh, we can't afford the theme. Yeah. Whatever. Get the treasure goblin in yeah. there. And it's it's the it's the kind of weird like it's it's totally out of place in the rest of Diablo three, which is an incredibly self serious, incre- like top heavy, <laughs> devoid of substance yet still very heavy experience. You know, and the Treasure Goblin is like this weird moment of levity <laughs> Stop where it's hot. Treasure, treasure Goblin. goblin. <laughs> well, actually, Treasure Goblin. I feel like oh god, I could have had the worst day of my life. And just call me. Beep bop boop boop boop. Hey, I heard, I heard, I'm really sorry, but I have this treasure goblin. <laughs> and I will just erupt, and I'll, the day will be best. You know, when, when Diablo 3 was first announced, and it had, like, the the foliage was blooming, and there were, like, colored lights in the game. Oh, and, and people stuff, lost and their people minds? Like, Fuck this. If you're yeah. like, and there's a treasure goblin who <laughs> there's dances There's a magical treasure <laughs> And then he pops like a pinata and gold because other people be like, fucking <laughs> food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that treasure goblin 
like if you just went back in time and told those people who were pitched, like, let me tell you about the treasure. Was goblin. that was that the guy voice cast as Diablo expressing his no, dissatisfaction? Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> those fans would be like, the worst fears confirmed yeah. by, by yeah. knowledge. We know of the we think of the colors goblin. are a little high contrast, but but anyway, get this: there's this goblin who dances around. Whatever you said, he cavorts or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should take a break. Yeah, I was going to say we sure. need a break. It's a little warm. Because it's a real episode now, so we break it. Oh, this. I love Oh, man, yeah. Video games. We don't have shock stands. Yeah, works. We don't have shocks. Was that sh- just sharks from in Brooklyn? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we don't have shocks. <laughs> we don't got shocks in here. Yeah. Donna. Dan, that was like a burlesque. Dan. No, no, that was Jaws. Yeah, but I it know, was like but burlesque. Like, Jaws. Dana, 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 Dana. <laughs> the Jaws theme is just gonna make me laugh now. You may have just cured like twenty years of fear. <laughs> Next time I'm in a pool and somebody goes Dana. Next time I'm in, I'm gonna take I'm my in pants Jaws. <laughs> Next time I'm in Jaws grasp. <laughs> J A W apostrophe S. The grasp of jaw. Yes. <laughs> Within jaw's grasp. Next time the, I'm in the jaw, shark's name was jaw, jaw, right? Jaw's, yeah. Jaw's, <laughs> jaw's jaw's yeah, grasp. Exactly. The, the shark's name was jaw. <laughs> jaw's revenge. They <laughs> never called him jaw in the movie. <laughs> he was credited as jaw. That's where '90s hip hop artist Jaw Rule got his name. <laughs> He's named after the shark Jaw, the famous Jaw from Jaws. Yeah, yeah. everybody knows this. Well, the full. Title Where do you think was... Rastafarianism comes from? Exactly. Please. It was called Jaws movie. <laughs> Jaws big movie was the original title. <laughs> but Spielberg thought Jaws better. Day Out. <laughs> yeah. Those are all true. Important yeah. if true. Important if true. Jaws checks in. <laughs> was Jaws originally named Jaws checks in? <laughs> was Jaws originally named Jaw? <laughs> no, it definitely wasn't. <laughs> was Jaws originally named Jaws checks in? <laughs> this issue's flat off the shelves, guys. Solid cover story. <laughs> Yeah, launching that Idle Thumbs magazine with the Kickstarter money was maybe a, a misuse of funds. <laughs> <laughs> it's not doing very well. <laughs> Issue one. <laughs> Issue one. Huge <laughs> scoop this month, you guys. Was Jaws originally titled Jaws Checks In? <laughs> Page 75. It's Things. actually maybe... grammatically incorrect if the shark's name was Jaw. Jaw? Yeah, that's why it definitely wasn't called that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was no. Oh, it was the called Jaws Checking In. Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get it. Mm. Not a possessive s. A contractive is. Yes, yes exactly. Understood. Yeah. The. <laughs> yeah, it's short for jaw is. I go. Oh, yeah. That's what he's doing. I get it. He's checking in to the shark hotel. Yeah. No, just the uh, a hotel. Have you seen Dunstan checks in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This so is he wearing the little bellhop hat, or what's the deal? Is he a guest or is he an employee? Dunstan. What? Dunstan. It's a good question. What are you talking about? I'm talking about Dunstan checks in. What is that? I it's about think, a monkey that stays at a hotel. I think Dunstan may. Oh God, this is a tough. True story. Yeah, you've never seen no, Dunstan a, checks it's in. It's a film. 
the kid who the kid who's in Dunstan checks in is like an actor now, right? He well, probably that, was at the by time. Definition, Hold on. Yes. This is, the podcast hasn't started yet. We're looking this up. <laughs> this is a this is a really good cast. Jason Dunstan. Alexander. No, this is a bad no, cast. Oh, you this. mean in the film. <laughs> Video game. You said you interrupted yourself when you were talking about Max Payne 3 by talking about the Treasure Goblin. Do you oh, remember? yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I okay. just had to bring it back around to the yeah. Treasure Goblin. I don't actually remember what the connecting line was between those things, but, but yeah. I like. You don't remember the seg to the Treasure Goblin? No, I don't. I don't remember that seg. But uh, but I the, the the overriding thing I was left with with Max Payne three playing through it is how because because there's a whole thing with all you know there's a golden guns that I was talking about earlier where Sweet. it's just there's just I this, think that's how you got to the Treasure Goblin. Yeah, I think it is. Right? No, you're right. It is because there's just this, he was like, distributing those within Max Payne three. It's a crossover event. Yeah, because there's this fundamental there's this fundamental like disconnect between Max Payne like Max what Payne he's, with Treasure Goblin DLC. <laughs> Oh man! You could be picking up these gold gun pieces if you had. If you <laughs> no. bought this treasure <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah, you can either. You just hear. <laughs> sorry, sorry. We were distracting ourselves for a second because the idea that you walk past the gold gun and you hear the laugh of the treasure goblin, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just like he's always fifty steps ahead of you. The treasure goblin DLC actually uh, deploys pre-rendered cutscenes made by Blizzard. I was just going to tell the story of the Treasure Goblin. It's one step it's, ahead of Max Payne. It's just three minutes of the Treasure Goblin just fucking scampering across the desert. So you're like, wait, it looks like he's in some sort of like closet with slatted doors. Oh, he's a louvered window. A piece of that, of that uh, like offhand grenade launcher thing. Like, okay, so if I see that closet, I bet the Treasure Goblin was there. And I'm going to get that gun. You, yeah. Good. Well, the Treasure Payne, Goblin story Payne, echoes the events Max, of Max Payne's life. When Max Payne dreams, he sees the Treasure Goblin bounding across the the uh, shipping containers what? from the from the dreams of Gordon Freeman and Master Chief and Does whoever. Max Payne dream about shipping containers. Yeah, we talked about. Didn't we talk about this like last? Oh week? right, yes, Jesus. <laughs> the secret. The you secret. should really listen to our progress cast. They're uh, great. Jake, Jake was waiting for real idle thumbs. Yeah. Jake didn't listen to the progress <laughs> cast. <laughs> Um, but oh, yeah, man. so so there's that. There's like all the gold gun stuff where it's just Max Payne's narrative and what he's actually doing running around is like nonsense. But there's a way more fundamental version of that that stretches across like pretty much every moment in the entire game. It's called the story. Which which is – shut up. <laughs> fuck you. Sorry. Which is that. Go ahead. Uh, so Max Payne in the game is uh, like, you know, he's not a police officer anymore um, because he killed him. I guess – that's not really why – I guess it's because he was bad at it, apparently, according <laughs> – like, I don't even know why. Like, it's crazy to me that he's not – You were a shit officer, Max. <laughs> I was. It's weird that he's not just in the a, guy named a Max million Payne. jails for like, – Battery, perhaps? <laughs> what? I mean, just Max Payne. You mean – you get pulled over by a cop named Max Payne. Just throw your keys in the yeah, dash and yeah, right, exactly. cross your toes. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. Just slam your own head into the, win- into the fucking windshield. Yeah. Um, but uh, the – so – He's in – he's working with some guy as like a merchant – like not – like a private bodyguard guy, right? Like he'll work for rich people and protect them and because he's no longer a cop. He's been disgraced. Now all he – now he's just some washed oh, he up – he fell. Well, he, he fell after the fall of Max Payne. So now he's just some washed up asshole who does jobs for for rich fucks in, in you know, in Rio de Janeiro or whatever, wherever, Brazil, wherever he is. And uh, – Takes place in Rio? Yeah, I think so. Oh, that's cool. And um, <clears throat> most of it does. There's flashbacks to New York. And uh, – or I'm sorry, New Jersey. And uh, the enti- so the entire time, there's like this overtone of 
God, I'm such a fuck-up. Ugh. Mm. Can't do anything right. <laughs> Fucked it up again, Max Payne. He says like, that? Basically, he spends the whole game saying that. Meanwhile, as he's saying this, you're like going into slow motion, capping 18 guys in the head as you like jump off a roof. Like as you fall, you're like blowing up a barrel that causes a building to fall down onto 18 guys pursuing you. God, I'm so shitty at everything. I'm such a fucking idiot. The thing that got him kicked off the forest, well, he vowed at that point to never kill again. So he (laughs) is a huge fuck up now. Okay, you don't even know how right you are because one of the other things he's – Guess all I'm good at is just some just killing people. Guess that's all I can do after all. I'm just a shitty killer. Like he talks about that the whole game. But there's moments where you like you <laughs> no human being. So has you were just some you were just exactly. some homunculus putting Max Payne through his seven circles of hell. Then. Right. Yeah. And there's but there's the most it reaches a cra- ridiculous tonal crescendo where you you walk into a warehouse and you're. You know, in the cutscene, you're sneaking up on guys. Of course, you as the player have no control over this. Max Payne just decides to sneak up on guys. And he's like, if I could just get through here without making any noise, which you know as the player is bullshit because Max Payne never saw a living person that he didn't – like, you know you know, Chekhov's gun? In Max <laughs> yeah. Payne, and it's if, just uh, uh, Chekhov's Chek- human. This, Max if Payne is, is the is gun? A, no, every single living person oh, is Chekhov's human. I get it. They're Max hanging Payne on the mantle. If that if person appears – they will be, they will killed, be killed, killed by Max Payne. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, understood. Like, if a person appears in act, any act, they will be killed in that act. That is that is Max Payne's human. That's a, kind uh, of a less dramatically taught Chekhov's mm-hmm, gun. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if a human appears, they are dead. Yep. Okay. And so... Some of a weird Schrodinger's... No. No, it's no, not Schrodinger. Not really. <laughs> the, those, that human has one state and it's dead. It's just delayed, maybe. But... Uh, or... Or no. Mm. Uh, so so you sneak up with these guys and he's like, Sweet. just got to not make any noise. And then, you know, again, in the cutscene, you you Sorry. trip over like a gas canister or something and it falls over and makes a noise. And he's like, there it is again, my that trademark gracefulness I'm known for, fucking it all up. And so you make the noise and the guys all turn around and look at you. And then like – In the cutscene. Well, so then it switches back to player control. Right. And then at that moment, it, it, the game just puts you into slow motion itself. And then it gives you – a, it prompts you basically to shoot a – like this thing that always happens in movies and games that I don't think has ever happened in the history of the world where you shoot like a winch and then you grab – the like the hook on the end it's of the somehow counterweights yeah somehow it just <laughs> oh, so counterweights you feel like Errol you sit, his way out of there basically? yeah well not out of there so then as you're slowly moving up you take out your you, he takes out his pistol as this is happening in one motion takes out his pistol shoots the thing grabs the hook goes up headshots 18 guys leaps off the thing gracefully lands on a catwalk headshots another guy just standing right in front of him segues right into like sticky cover into uh into the the grating behind the catwalk peers over fucking switch to sniper rifle bam 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 three guys on the other end everyone in the room is dead he did trip on that gas canister yeah exactly what a fucking (laughs) klutz what a bone boner of the year am i right like i just don't understand how people writing this game think that that's you know what's funny what it's like i mean it's only it's only worth a new 
Idle Thumbs episode if we make a Far Cry 2 comparison. <laughs> but that is exactly what would happen in Far Cry 2, except you would have caused all of it. Yeah. None of it would have been lined up for you by a designer. Like, exactly. Like, him tripping on the gas like, can you technically, is like, a grenade rolls down a hill. Like, that's exactly. why we say that right. sentence. Yes. And in Max yeah. Payne, like, in Max Payne 3, sure, I, I'm still the one who is successfully executing those headshots but the game is lining up the bowling pins right in a row for me like they're straight down the lane right in single file like all i've got to do that's, is that's kind of hard to do that's kind of my, really yeah. hard to knock down 10 bowling pins lined up straight in a row okay so, well <laughs> sorry jake if you hit him straight on that's a pretty forceful bowling ball that's going to just go through all of those in a row without without angling off on one of the impacts i mean we'll test this out Good point, Jake. But you're that. I mean, I was funny. Is I was actually analogy. explaining this to Adam last night about we were, I was playing Spec Ops the line, and I uh, he was he was watching me play, and he said, "You just can't go anywhere." He's like, <laughs> "They just kind of like put guys in your way and you shoot them in the face." Yeah. And uh, I was playing on PC, and I haven't really played a shooter on PC other than TF in a long time. It's a third person shooter, mm-hmm. yeah. and just. You f- I just forgot how easy it is to shoot guys exactly where you want to shoot them with a mouse. Yep. Like it's been, I mean, years since I really have done that. And, uh, you know, I was like, he's like, that's why I was like, I just like, cause he's been playing, he's played Skyrim. That's like the only game he's played in like five years. And, um, he played like, Ocarina of Time on his 3DS for about four hours. And then we gifted him Skyrim. Skyrim and yeah. was like, whoops. But anyway, but, uh, he's like, that's why he's like, I just can go places in Skyrim and do things and things happen to me. He's like, this is just the artifice. He's like, why? He didn't use the word artifice, but they're just putting faces in front of you and you click on them. Yeah. I was like, yeah, but I mean, the gameplay is sort of about like the scenario. How do you click through it the right way? And I found myself <laughs> defending this third person shooter. Right. And, and I had read Tom Bissell's article from Grantland. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I actually great. didn't read points like 11, 12, or 13. Oh, really? They started to get spoilery for the, what was going to happen. Oh, in the game. I, just, I just read through it. Yeah. yeah so I stopped. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't I was played that much either. Because I was, uh, I wanted to give the game its due. Sure, especially because people have been talking about how it's. A, mm-hmm. Yeah, you should, there's interesting things going on in the game. Yeah, and uh, I think we're both kind of in the same place with that. Where I think like, you're probably farther than I am. Or you mean the same place, like just sort of. Men- I know that. Yeah, men- mentally, where yeah. I know this is supposed to be interesting. There's some uh, there's some stuff here. People have been talking this game up a little bit yeah. about how it's a little different. I'm not than a quite shooter. feeling it yet, but like. Yeah, I shot a guy that I realized I didn't have to. That's the thing where I went like, "Oh, okay, maybe this game is about something." Oh, I don't think I've gotten that far yet. So you're farther than I am. Bro. Yeah, I'm not very far because I. This is a stupid conversation, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, I just yeah, and I think the game is sort of about the choices that you make as a first person, as a habitually trained first person shooter player or a shooter mm-hmm. player. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if that's what it's about yet, but it seems to be. It's executing on that stuff decently, except the first time they present it to you. And I really like the fact that, so you come up over, like you sneak up on three guys, you shoot two of them, you realize one of them is an informant or something. He turns and says, don't shoot, don't shoot. And like right then, it just has a re- like, uh, reaction or just a reflex, like bam, like right in the head. And I walked up and my buddies were like, oh, you just killed him. Why did you do that? You know, and to which I said... It, like, it wasn't, it was, I like the fact that it was presented super subtly. It was mm-hmm. presented just as a gameplay experience and it didn't do actually the thing that The Walking Dead does, which is like, <laughs> that sort of like, yeah. Stri- it didn't do any of that stuff. So I like that, that it didn't do any of that stuff in, in Spec Ops. Um, I thought that was bold. But. Yeah, that's hard to do because the narrative everyone couch, does it the yeah. other way. Everyone now does it like Mass Effect, I guess, was one of the games that really standardized the notion of like 
being in the gameplay situation, but then the game stopping to explicitly make sure you know it's a prompt. Where like in Max in uh, Mass Effect Two, I like I guess is when they had those moments where you could interrupt to, to do the renegade thing mm-hmm. or let it go and do the paragon people thing. are very yeah. concerned that someone playing a game will not notice the fact that the game is in fact an interactive experience when right. you come across a seamless interactive experience right. yeah especially when it forks i mean man like mm-hmm. the amount of conversations we had on forking narrative with what dead oh yeah it's just i don't want to talk too much about that game but um the amount of conversations just will people get it will people realize there was another path is sort of this horrible catch 22 of presenting two paths because people end up playing the game and by virtue of it existing in a world of linear time, it just, you get a linear story. So I like that spec ops didn't say like, I mean it did though. So after I killed him, it's like, you killed him. Why did you do that? I obviously can't say why I did, you know, I don't have any, there's no dialogue prompts in the game. Uh, and I think it was, I'm not, super stoked in the and how that stuff is couched narratively and how that stuff is presented just in its tone and how like the the dialogue's not super subtle and it doesn't actually the start a conversation a lot over that. I'm, yeah, that's what we that should probably table, we should maybe table this until we've played more of the we game. We shall. Yeah. But it seems like I think I see where the twist is. I guess mm-hmm, sure. You know, I killed a civilian accidentally and uh I think there's some interesting stuff there. Like I killed a civilian I'm gonna, I'll stop talking about it after this, but uh, I was in this sort of apartment complex or like a it looks like like kind of luxury condos of all places, and I was sneaking up on this like turret nest, and I was going through sort of what looked to be a place that where, like squatters had set up. There was candles and tarps, mm. and they clearly made like these little makeshift rooms. Um, and I hear the gunfire, and then a shadow, like a figure, comes bursting out of a tarp and running at me. And just bam, like one shot, just down. And yeah. it's a woman. And then I keep going and I finish that that scenario. And people start coming out of there, like wherever they've been hiding after I've defeated against my guys. And like, we got to get out of here. It's like the locals are pissed. And now I'm kind of wondering, is it because I accidentally shot that woman? Mm, like if those are yeah, connected. Right. Or if, that's or if, always... we just, if we just would have left silently yeah, 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 yeah. had I not accidentally killed that woman. Uh, it actually reminded me of the gun parts thing. We were talking about the gun parts. It's like I shot her and then instantly died. Like right after that. I shot her and went, oh God, I feel terrible. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, oh my God. Like, I felt it was good. It was a really impactful mm-hmm. moment. Like I felt awful. But I instantly died and then it, I respawned. And the woman wasn't a choice anymore. She never came out of the thing. Oh, crazy. <laughs> so, they, so they're keeping you from reloading the game and changing what you did, basically, yeah. presumably. So that makes me think there is causality, but yeah. they're doing the thing that I think actually The Walking Dead does well, which is you make some choices and you don't really know how they're cascading out. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just by presenting me A, like make, make choice A and then present me B, yeah. whether B is dynamic or not, mm-hmm. I'm still building meaning into that. Right. So that is really great, I think. And I think hopefully if we keep playing the game more, yeah. we'll be able to answer whether that's successful or not. Yeah. We'll talk about this. We'll talk about this. Some reaction mail? opinions. Yeah, let's do yeah. it. Uh, There's no bad reader mails. Well, one we don't have a good response for. What, only bad readers? Is that what you're... Implying? No, I wasn't... I, what? Oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, thought that's, I thought that's what you were implying. No. There's no bad, or bad reader mails, only bad responses from us. That's true. That's definitely true. <laughs> this is one that the answer might be no. And uh, <laughs> it's always the. Anyway, this guy wrote 15 paragraphs. No, I uh, no, 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 no. So he writes in, he says he's writing. Well, his question, weirdly, his question was Was the original title to Jaws, Jaws Check In? 
it's not that far off. No, no. <laughs> so Jordan Stewart writes in and asks, uh, he says he's writing an adventure short story, and he started watching Indiana Jones for some of his research, for his inspirational. And he goes, I thought of a video game to play The Mouse Will Help, and uh, the quickly into mind was another trilogy, Uncharted. I feel that Uncharted series is the closest thing to a Henry to do Henry Jones Jr. justice, but I did not recall a single reference or tip of the hat to him. Growing up, there were a lot of movies I wanted to see as video games, but usually ended up disappointing. Street Fighter, for instance. Are there any uh, solid games you can think of that are a spiritual embodiment of some great story on film or television, but are not of direct relation? P.S. This is why I wanted to read this one. The Wizard, the 1980 film, 1989 film, is called Joystick Heroes in Germany. <laughs> You just you just wanted to use this guy's question as a way to insert this tidbit, this funny little factoid that he told us. Yeah. All right, good. You can cut it all the way down to, hi, Jordan Stewart writes in, did you know The Wizard, the 1989 film, is called Joystick Heroes in Germany? Jordan Stewart, Santa Clara, California. Thanks, Jordan. Now I know. And now all of our readers know. Now you know as well, readers. So what was the question specifically? Are there any other solid games you can think of that are a spiritual embodiment of some great story on film or television but are not of direct uh, I relation? I guess all video games? Yeah, was just, that's either, kind of what I was like, going to yeah, say. I, if you like when they're aliens... Not, yeah, if you like Aliens or Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, have I got a medium for you? <laughs> it's called video games by any of them. And I think what's funny is uh, games that are not systems Oh, wait, driven. I really like Blade Runner. Hmm... Mm. What? I'm going to take you to the theater. You'll be happy. What? The theater. Another medium. I was a, like a medium. Like obviously, I should give him video games as a medium that he would enjoy. He says he likes Blade Runner, just aesthetically, because he can play, go play System Shock. What is the theater? What I can that? take you to like the theater. Why would you do that? For of me? the mind? Like because what are you it, talking like, about? I, I would take you, you to no see West Side was... Story or something. That was a joke. It was a bad joke. <laughs> no one. It was definitely a bad joke. You could have picked another. <laughs> I should have picked a different medium. Reader mail is off to a good start. <laughs> no. Okay. Sorry, Jordan. Oh. <laughs> I mean, probably, but I. Well, I was, the point I, I was like going to make. Anything, there's before too, there's he made too his, much of that already. Yeah. The point I, I was trying to see if I could come up with a game experience that evokes a feeling similar to a film, like because that mm-hmm. that's more interesting to me, I think, than literally just. Uncharted, yeah, it is, you know, yeah. clearly takes a page from the book of Indiana Jones, but that's because yeah. that's exactly what the pitch of that game probably is, which is, yeah. it's like Indiana Jones, but it's a game. Well, I yeah. think the point to that, just Jordan, Although, had they made an Indiana Jones reference in Uncharted, that would have been insufferable. Or insufferable. Yeah, I mean, I don't, to me, Uncharted doesn't really capture anything about what I like about Indiana Jones. Same. I except like except for some of, like, the vistas oh. and stuff. Like, other, like, other than that, I don't think the, like, I don't think the character really evokes him very well at all. I don't know. Maybe he's not supposed to. I thought I don't the know. beginning of Uncharted 2 actually felt more like that than any other aspect of any mm. of those games. But that's just because I was actually interested in the story. And it. Also, I had just seen the fourth Indiana Jones movie, which was a horrible, <laughs> horrible thing. Yeah. So then playing the beginning of Uncharted 2 when he's on the train and it's cross-cutting back and forth, I was like, okay, a competent person is telling an adventure story. Right. Maybe this is what Indiana Jones <laughs> feels like. But uh, yeah, man, Indiana Jones 4 is bad. That's true. There's probably a lot of games that encapsulate the feeling of Indiana Jones 4. <laughs> Many. Yeah. Like Sim Ant really uh <laughs> what? Uh it's 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 really evocative of that scene in Indiana Jones 4. Were you hiding the fridge during the nuclear No, no, no. Bomb. When all of those huge bugs come out and eat a guy. <laughs> That's true, Jake. 
Bugsy people in video games all the time. Dude, in Sim Ant, bugs eat bigger bugs. Bugs eventually, like, <laughs> probably eat that cat. Just like in... What? Just like in... in I should have... Pl- Sim yeah. Ant, you play as an ant colony. You drive yeah. the owners out of the house so they get crazy eyes. We've oh, talked yeah. about yeah, that. Yeah, right. Jake, let me take you to the theater. Sorry, I don't know. I thought this was what we say to Oh, well, now. in the theater, they just unleash thousands of bugs. You guys want another reader mail? <laughs> Let's get another reader mail, I think. This is the one that I think we should talk about. All right, go ahead. This is from Philippe. You gotta stop giving these prefaces because then if we just have no answer and make ourselves feel bad and make the person who wrote the email feel bad, everyone's just gonna feel bad. That's Don't set right. the expectations at all here. Just read these. Episode 65, everyone's just gonna feel bad. Travis Woodside writes... Hi, Travis. While there have been a few comments about Far Cry 3 here and there during your progress <laughs> cast, I feel that we, the readers, have missed out on an official statement for Idle Thumbs and how you feel the title compares to Far Cry 2. For some reason, I was how totally I expecting a press compares. release detailing the official Idle Thumbs statement when Far Cry 3 was first announced, but I'd settle for a brief comment, which you'll get. We promise. I feel it's I'd also be interested no. in your take on Clint Hawking moving on to Valve. Do you expect Half-Life 3 to feature Gordon Freeman popping pills to stave off disease? Hold on your butts. Travis. I feel uh, the title Far Cry 3 is very similar to the title Far Cry 2. They're the, different. The, I would say my, the difference is roughly one. It's as if they added one to the previous one almost. It's yeah. one different. Yeah. One different, yeah. The title is one different from the title of the previous game. I'll be honest and say I'm going to reserve judgment until the game comes out, but the... Pretty sure that's the only correct answer. Yeah. I'm not really stoked yet. Yeah. I think... I don't mean to speak for all of us, but... No, that's... Yeah. Same. Yeah. Jake? There was a tiger, though. Did you see that tiger? I didn't, trailer? actually. No. Wah, 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 wah. And then a tiger comes yeah. at you. Oh, I thought you were imitating a tiger. <laughs> no, I was dubstepping well, yeah. the tiger. A tiger in a video game trailer does that wah, for wah, sure. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> that's, tiger, yeah. that's what it sounded like, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, wah, Far Cry 3 looks like Far Cry. Does it? No. Oh, like Far Cry 1. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's true. And yeah, there's a time like, when there's a guy on a boat with his girlfriend and like maybe gets shot and falls into the water. Like, isn't that in the yeah, Far Cry that's 3 basically trailer? Basically, Far Cry One. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Far Cry Three looks like Far Cry. That's mm-hmm. my takeaway. Maybe it, maybe it's not. Maybe it's Far Cry Three. Well, I think Far Cry Two was so surprising because of the departure from Far Cry One. Like, what, what What was the first game? Oh, yeah. What the first two? What? That's what's funny to me about people who who you know send us questions that are like, "Oh, Far Cry Three? Are you guys just like brains exploding out of your head?" For which is weird to me because. I wasn't excited about Far Cry 2 because it came after Far Cry 1. Right. I was excited about Far Cry 2 because Far Cry 2 is a game that I that I like a lot. Right. It's not because it said Far Cry in the title. Like, it's far, kind of what you were talking the about The fact earlier. that it says Far Cry in the title isn't what makes it good. Like, like, I took – I mean there's some semantic issues with the tweet from earlier. But you made a tweet earlier that I just saw during the break that was like – Stop asking for original IP because you're asking for intellectual property, which means you're asking for a horrible series that just gets yeah. transmediated to death yeah. and you hate. Right. What you want is a nice original one-off idea, original like game. Yeah. You just want an original yeah. story. So that that's twofold yeah. for me. Like it's one, it's the the notion of yeah, when you ask for original IP, what you're asking is for a game followed by a bunch of sequels. Like when someone ma- right. when a publisher makes IP that they're, they're saying we want this to be successful so that we can make a million right. sequels to it all the time. Like when so, they say IP, they're just talking about intellectual property, i.e. the face, the theme, what's on the box, the characters, yeah, and what right. they can do a with franchise. that. Right. So there's so that was one half of it that I that I think is just odd to me that people are, too many too many sequels. I want more original IP, which means you you just want a bunch more. What sequels you're literally eventually. actually asking like, for is yeah, yeah a um, weird yeah. package. Right. The then people responded to me and said, well, well, an IP doesn't have to have sequels. 
yeah, technically correct. But right. whenever anyone talks about an IP, that's what they mean. They mean right. a franchise with a bunch of yeah, things. Yeah, that's in it. that's a term that people are accidentally. Yeah, there's a there's a technical <laughs> legal meaning of intellectual property that that is fine, whatever. But like, that's not how you should be referring to things. Well, if you shouldn't, like, you, you don't so- have to re copyright. Enzio or the name Assassin's Creed every time you make a sequel. Like right. you've defined the character, the world that he occupies, the yeah. title of the game that he well, is it's, in. It's and to, now you have intellectual property that you can then leverage across multiple lines of business. <laughs> well, that's true. That's just exactly synergy. how we've, that's what talk, we've talked about this before though. It's, it's gamer, like gaming culture lexicon right. borrowing from business because they get all of their information from right. marketing. So that's news. the second half. Speaking of it, yeah, it's just you shouldn't be using that. Can we proliferate? Just talk about games. Can we proliferate lob as lines books. of business? Many lobs. Nope. Mm-mm. We should do it. Uh uh-uh. uh. Idle thumbs. We're getting nope. many lobs. You're fired. But yeah, like in in uh, it's a word that you use. in the world of film, people aren't like. Like, the skew is not a word. Tentpole franchise games. has become. Well, yeah, you see that in like box office thing. reporting and shit. Yeah, we've, like, we've uh, talked about this before. We yeah, talked yeah. about it on a progress cast. Go check yeah, out those did. progress casts. But like, if you're excited about a game coming out, just talk about it as a game. Like, right. even don't say even say title. Just say the game. <laughs> just right. Say it's the game. It's the game. So we ask you, dear readers, to drop marketing lexicon yeah. from your lexicon. Yeah. And say, I'm excited for this video game. Yep. Say that. Say, I'm excited to manage some lords. Speaking of which, like on the – in terms of being excited for games as opposed to like titles per se, um, the guy did ask also about Clint Hawking going to Valve. Right. Like I'm definitely more excited about what Clint Hawking will do at Valve than I am about you know any particular name that's in a, like on a box in a franchise. Yep, 100%. Or whatever. So like that's – that will be cool to see. I mean, except the irony of that is that that we'll probably just never know because I feel like whenever <laughs> yeah. anyone gets hired by Valve, they just – I mean, I, like it's an awesome place to work. So I don't say this to, in to say that it isn't. But you, it does seem like people Val's go to public Valve face is incredibly flat. They, yeah, yeah, they just kind of get absorbed. Into well, no Valve one, Clint, yeah, and yeah. Then, like, Clint Hawking's like, game will come under H in the credits. We'll know. You know what I mean, yeah. Uh, what Clint's working on once the like redrawn refresh rates in Steam and like the web page scrolling and all that stuff finally stops lagging on Mac. Because I imagine that's what he's going to be contributing. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Probably, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I heard he's part of the Linux port team. Did you hear about that? <laughs> yeah, Steam's on Linux. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's why they hired him. That Clint Hawking yeah. announces could there arrival be, at Valve. Could software? there be coincidence? Right, yeah, exactly. Five days ago, he tweets his son in front of the Valve sign. Yeah, on his Twitter. son Linux Hawking. <laughs> so I think the writing's on the wall here, and we're all pretty that excited. Wall says Ubuntu. Well, we all run Ubuntu. Surprise. Our readers didn't know that. Yeah. So, yeah, we're really excited about All the hardware we have runs J- JP today made me aware of a distribution, a Hannah Montana distribution of Linux. There's a Hannah Montana Linux. Like official? If you go to Hannah, official on the part of Hannah Montana? Yeah. No. no. It's not uh, licensed. It's not, it doesn't officially no. leverage the Hannah Montana intellectual property. But if you go to Hannah Montana sor- like on SourceForge, there is one. You can install a Hannah Montana operating system. That's good. Yeah. yeah. So, Did you ever play the Hannah so Montana why doesn't, DS game? Why really doesn't fun. Steam support Seriously. that, Valve? Clint Hawking. What was that tweet I sent you that was like, nice try, Gabe Newell, with your Steam sale, but you're never going to get me oh, to yeah. install Windows. Right. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> hey, well, you know what's even worse? It wasn't Gabe Newell. It was, nice Gaben. try, Gaben, yeah, with Gaben. your Steam sale. Yeah, nice try, Gaben, luring me to Windows with your Steam sale. Well, Not per- luring him to Windows. Yeah. That person well, nice is, try is, in luring, you know. is probably correctly, you know, they're like, 
they looked up, gave me a little Wikipedia. And like, history. Oh, oh you started off by Windows writing kernel. the Windows kernel huh. or whatever. Like, oh, I see. One, so one this red string. This, this, this is like a 20, 20 One red string on a wall yeah. led meanwhile, to 2012 Steam sale. four days later, Valve announces Steam yeah. for Linux. In 1970, or like, yeah, 19, what, what do you think he wrote that? What, Windows? Like 89 or something? 1988, Gabe Newell started on the Windows kernel thinking, one day. <laughs> one day. I'm going to sell Assassin's yeah. Creed Brotherhood for $4. <laughs> <laughs> and the world will be mine. <laughs> yeah, it's worked, actually. Yeah. He, he's probably not moving a lot of copies of Windows, but. Um, no. No. All right. Well, that was a successful reader. Did we answer Thank that you. Email? Yeah. Thanks. I think it was Travis sent that in. J. Travis Woodside of the new Canon Woodsides. Thank you for your correspondence. You're You'll be receiving sorry, that wasn't me. an yeah. idle thumbs cap. Oh, I thought you were going to cast. You'll be receiving a podcast and correspondence stock. Don't say this because we're actually sending out real shit to other people that may or may oh, not. Oh, you're be not them. getting any of those things. Unless you back the Kickstarter. In which case, you might get a T-shirt or something. I don't know. But not a cap. No, cap. no. You'll, You'll get, get a cast. You have podcap. Podcap games. <laughs> podcap games. What about our Yo-Yo Kazoo set? No? The Baboo Kazoo? The Baboo Kazoo? God, we gotta make those Baboo Kazoos. Did kazoos. we ever talk about Baboo Kazoos? Amongst each other. Probably. No, I, on the cast we may have. Yeah. We want to make Baboo Kazoos. It's just a kazoo that says Baboo Kazoo on it. <laughs> in like it, it works. Gold, it's gold a, a working kazoo. Yeah, it's important. It's a working kazoo. That's what we call it. <laughs> you know. You're sort of good old down-home American working kazoo. All right, well, let's go get to work designing the Baboo Kazoo and end this podcast. <laughs> That's not what we're actually going to do. No. I just don't want anyone to, to get their hopes up. If you yeah. want a Baboo Kazoo... Oh, we have a new website now. We never said that. It's blog.idlethumbs.net. It's not the real new website, well, but there's stuff on it right now. Well, probably just goes to blog.idlethumbs.net at this point. Oh, it doesn't right now, but I guess it probably maybe will. It by, will tomorrow. By 12 hours from now. Yeah. You're probably reading this on the web, on the internet. You'll page. see that the website looks like a blog. It's going to do that for a while, and then one day it's going to be a sick new website, but that'll be soon. That one day won't be that far from now. When you say one day, that's always like when you ask your parents, hey, can we go to Disneyland? Like, one day, you're never going to Disneyland. Your parents don't love you. But when we say one day, we love you. So there'll be a new site soon. But right now, there's right a blog. Now, it looks, looks like a blog. Website, but there's a blog on You'll it. You'll see that right here, there's episode 65. You scroll down. There's Foamy Carver and Foam Carver. Scroll down a little further. Some other stuff. Bioshock playthrough. Bioshock playthrough. You scroll down a little further and there's like links to yeah. stuff. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye. Bye. Video games. We've only been wearing socks for a few thousand years, if that maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Are socks really thousands of years old? It can't be that old. Oh. A couple hundred years. They're like 70 years old. World War One. <laughs> nobody wore socks. <laughs> That's true, probably. God, do, you guys remember, do you guys remember like 15 years ago before the internet and socks? That was crazy. How did we get by? I don't know. Now we have shoes that look With, like socks. And then Master Chief Yeah, wears. now we have gross, <laughs> gross shoes. Actually, we don't we have, have shoes, shoes that, that look, look like feet. We have shoes that look yeah. like feet. We have feet. socks that look like feet and we have shoes that look like feet. We have socks that look like feet? Yeah, you even those rainbow, toe socks. rainbow toe socks or you oh. can get the big Those rainbow. are my hell. Like I hate socks to begin with. And the idea oh, of man, having indi- the idea of having individual socks wrapped around each of my toes we have, is my fucking hell. They make mittens that look like hands. Those are called gloves. Yeah, it's my hell. Imagine a mitten around each of your fingers. <laughs> That's terrible. I don't like that. But you know what I mean. It's, it's the same. You're That's tra- just a mitten. That's just what a mitten is. No, it's a glove.
a glove wraps around. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, toes are different. They're toes. You don't articulate your toes to grab and do things to manipulate them. Unless they're just, but each you know, one, you know unless they're just each little. Toes. No, seeing the toe is fine. You don't want their toes to be implied. You want them to either be there or being totally covered up. Like you exactly, don't, you don't want you don't want the like the form of the toe to be. You don't want to see like little fucking, tootsie rolls inside yeah, of like gross. little cotton wrappers. Yeah. I don't want that. That's gross to me. I don't anymore. I don't think that I really care either way, but now I definitely Each one care. of my toes individually wrapped in its own little sweat cocoon. Yeah, it's disgusting. It's real, and I like socks. You're being like funny, toes. but I hate I agree, sock I agree. articulated sock I, fingered things. I agree. I'm agreeing with you. I totally agree with you. You're smiling in a way that is a put on. It's no, it's because Chris is entertained I, by the conversation I'm, while also being serious. Yeah, okay. I, I really do 100% agree. I don't know how to make you believe me. Is this just in are you realizing that you hate this right now or is this the thing that you've shared with me for a long time? I I didn't I talk last week about how much I hated Vibram five fingers? Yeah, but that's a that's a shoe. I mean, those are accepted as a loathsome thing, I know. Yeah, but that's that's because but, people wear them like to the whole foods. Okay, that's not the reason I hate them. I hate them because they gross me out. But you, mm, they gross you out because you see them while you're trying to buy like your no, like your that's arugula. Not why. When I see the preview picture, of, like if someone was, if you were to send me a link to an Amazon page for those, I would be grossed out by seeing the sterile preview picture of them on the screen. What about like right? But I mean, inherent, but it, mm. it has nothing to do with fucking Whole Foods. What are you talking about? I'm just saying you see them like. Are you trying to tell me why I'm grossed out by something? Is that what's happened? Actually, happening? Are you here? grossed out by like a novelty monster foot? A novelty, you know, like a costume, like like a like a weird like beast foot that you can wear. No, that's that's foot? entertainment. Yeah, that's just. Goofy. But what if it? What if it? It's allows, not fashion. What if it allows articulated toes? That's fine. Yeah, it's a prosthetic foot is not the gross thing. The gross thing is an actual toe being encased in the fucking gross latex or whatever the fuck a vibrams is. I think it's rubber. Rubber. Still gross. It's totally gross. Yeah, I don't care. I can't believe you don't stuff. believe me that I find that truly gross. No, no, I believe you. You think you're the only one? No, I think the vast majority of society thinks they're loathsome. Yeah. 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 Goddamn right. That's right. <laughs> well, good. Video games. <laughs> Thank God we got that toe conversation out of the way. <laughs> I'm just saying be barefoot. I'm not saying that. I'm saying wear shoes. Or, this is where, you just I, this is where you we just, disagree. Were you just saying you think either be barefoot or wear shoes, but you don't okay. have toes implied? Yeah, like in all of life. But in general, what I would tell people is wear shoes. Or Why? be barefoot and then splay your toes all the time. <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. So when Adam gets his haircut, <laughs> he uh, if, if they're not super gentle, that's why he goes to Kermit now. But uh, when he when he gets his haircut, he has really That's sensitive. That's a sentence that helped. He has anyway, really sensitive ahead. follicles, and what? I saw him once getting his haircut by somebody who was pulling on it too hard. And the entire time, he he was wearing flip flops, but he was kneading his toes like little <laughs> fists, like undulating under, and his his whole body was rigid like a snake, and his feet were just in these little fists, and it would. They would just like squeeze like a stress ball, and he did that for like forty minutes, and he does it when he's stressed. So you're just watching his toes for forty minutes. It was. There was it was the feature of the of the entire spectacle. Were they wrapped in creepy mittens? No, it was a hot out. It was a hot day. It was a hot out. It, it was, was a hot, hot out. out. It was a hot day out. So he was. I call warm days hot outs. Episode sixty five. Hot out. <laughs> it's a hot out. Come to Jaws annual hot out. <laughs> it's July twenty fifth, twenty twelve, and Chris has given up hope. 
I'm Sean Vanneman. And you say I'm Jake Rockin. And you say I'm Chris Remo. And I go, it's July 19th. It's July 19th. <clears throat> it's July 19th, 2012. No, I'm good. It's the 65th, 2012. More like the 100th episode. 65th. Our podcast can retire. Retirement age is Anyway, 65. thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's been fun. We're going to Palm Springs forever. <laughs> <laughs>